We begin in a convent in late 1600s France, where a young brunette woman is being welcomed into the Holy Orders. As she takes her vows, a mischievous grin comes across her face. We cut to her later wandering the grassy grounds around the building until she comes across another young, blonde-haired nun, Sister Louise. The two then abscond to a nearby building on the convent grounds to engage in an amorous tryst. As things begin to heat up between them, we cut away to see another older nun outside who seems on the verge of catching them. As she does so, she hears a twig snap from right behind her. We see her at first show signs of recognition, which quickly turn to terror and screams as she is attacked by an unseen figure. Welcome to episode five of season four of the game of Rassilon, the game of Rassilon Regenerated. I am your game missy, Riley Silverman, and I am joined as always by my amazing cast and crew of talented people. Of course, uh, first and foremost, we have Dan Peck as the doctor. Hello, hello. Then, of course, we have former game master, now companion, the delightful Lita, Ben Patton. Hello, hello. And of course, our agent of chaos, the returning companion, Carrie Vu, Joe Kateley. Hi. And my my partner in crime, my my storytelling uh, sibling, uh, my friend, Michael Nixon, our engineer. Hello, Michael. Yep, you're still stuck with me. Of course. <laughs> and uh, audiences have already figured out as we've gone on this season, we have numbered episodes uh, by episode more in a modern Doctor Who standard. And we actually have just come off of hearing two storylines that were single episode plots, much more like Modern Who. So you may notice that we are no longer numbering things by serials, we're numbering things by episode. And this is the week we figured that out. So even though the numbering by the time the episodes go out will have been following that system, we just know it now. <laughs> and also uh, for the, the classic folks at home who are screaming, yes, that's how Hartnell did it too. So yeah, we're hearkening all the way back to 1963. It was a very conscious decision. We did it on purpose. Uh, yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, you're Although welcome. Hartnell did it, but they were still serials. Like it was basically like no, I, it was the, the most confusing way to do it. It was the way Hartnell did it. It was, yeah. the, it was the the it was the way at the time, and mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. this is now the our way at our time. It's a time travel. Do you want show. to keep Just, explaining this like your NFT speech and the uh, the live show? <laughs> I mean, I do. It always goes so well for me. Like it's yeah. never always backfired. It's yeah. going great right now. All right, let's go around the horn and we will say hello to our characters and have us tell them, uh, have them tell us, I should say, their goals, their, their, you know, what they want to do with their lives. So uh, let's start what's with your deal. With, yeah, what's up with you? What's your vibe? So, uh, Lita, let's start with you. Do you still have the same focus? Do you have the same goals? What's up? How's Lita I doing? Think, what's up? Yeah, so Lita's goal, long term goal, is still to explore the galaxy. I think her short term goal has currently changed to the very attainable and easily achieved figure out the doctor. All right. Because uh, that might actually work better as a long-term goal, but I'm going to keep it as a short-term for the time being, because 
Uh, I think Lita's still not sure she can trust the Doctor and still not entirely sure where she stands with him. Fair. Uh, and what is your focus currently? Uh, belief. It is belief. But belief in, still belief. in the right. self, in others. And I think that's one of the reasons why she wants to figure out the Doctor. All right, Carrie, do you, what is your focus long-term goal and short-term goal? Well, short-term has certainly changed from the last episode we were in, but long-term is probably going to stay pretty consistent because we kind of unanimously decided that that was going to be chaotically good choices. Yeah. So I, I think we're we're pretty solid there. I'm still betting on a horse that this is going to be Sound of Music. So I am ready, and I have all my favorite things with me. Sound of Music famously took place in the 1600s. All right, absolutely. Uh, I am going to uh, also. I think I think what we can do for your short-term goal, since you don't have one currently, because you did resolve yours last time. I think if a moment happens in the episode that you think this sounds like a short-term goal for me, then I will uh, I will give it to you, and then I'll, I'll let you have it. And that way, you can still earn XP from that short-term goal at the end of the episode. Um, and then, of course, our doctor, doctor. What is your short and long-term goal? Uh, the long-term goal has stayed the same of uh, find out about the gap, uh, the period of, I, I, was it 100 or 150 years? 150 the, years. 150, that's what the, okay. Yeah, figure out why the doctor was missing for that long. Um, and I think that's going to be a long-term goal for a while. And, okay, uh, I can I can answer that for you right now. The, you were gone for 150 years because you were in an exploding TARDIS that was keeping you in stasis for 150 years. Oh, Okay. Hey, yeah, so that long-term did it, goal has been it. solved. <laughs> yeah, that, the idea is that you were being held in an out uh, an out of time pocket, and while that was happening, 150 years of your time frame went by, like for Gallifrey, essentially. I may have misunderstood. I thought that was sort of like what the season arc was going to be. So no, I no, do that's apologize. good to know. It's good to know that if you didn't understand that, the audience might not have as well. So I'm glad that you stated that as being your. I thought you meant like you're trying to figure out what happened during that time period. But if you're yeah. trying to figure out why that time period happened. It's because of what was happening with your TARDIS. Well, I think off of what you just said, uh, um, figuring out what has happened during that gap, I think is also as important. So I think maybe I will keep that as the same long term. So rather than the why, it's the what. Okay, great. So yeah, I will I will let you know that that is that is the why. And, I, and the doctor would have figured that out, that basically it was that the TARDIS was essentially pulled out of the known universe and was in the little side pocket universe. And like all that time was passing while it was constantly re- repeating all like the idea is like thousands and thousands and thousands of those little algorithms were happening inside of it in those in the little rondels. And then eventually it found the one that worked and saved everything. Got it. Uh, so, yeah, so just modifying my goal as to find out what happened during that time. OK, so that's your long term goal. What is yes. your short term goal? Um, you know, it was kind of hard to figure out a short term goal. So I just wrote doctor stuff. OK, I will let you also in the episode decide. It is hard to pick your short term goal when you don't know the plot yet. So yeah, exactly. I think that that's fair. I think I think Lita's makes sense because Lita has kind of a character arc that's happening because she's a new character. I think for Doctor and Carrie, it is very much a uh, I think more standard, like we'll figure out as the story goes on. So we will have that information there and we shall begin. We open in a Nazi. Ca- oh, sorry. That's sounding music. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> The TARDIS hangs in space on the border of the Gastroboros galaxy, roaming, trying desperately to find the planet Gallifrey. The Doctor has tried once again to locate his home planet and any sign of other Time Lords, but finally has come across something unusual. It's not that Gallifrey is missing. According to all of your data and the scouting you've done, it seems 
time-locked somehow, as if the TARDIS itself cannot lock onto its coordinates. What do you do with that information, Doctor? I think the Doctor sort of has, like, almost a standard operating procedure at this point when um, Gallifrey goes missing and has sort of run through all of those tests. And once he discovers that this is the case, he's like a little more frustrated maybe than he's been in a while and is sort of like doing that silent. I'm looking at the console and pressing buttons, but I'm not I'm really it's a thousand yard stare at the console because he's kind of like, well, if something's time locked, I he's feeling helpless, I think, is the short answer. Truthfully, I'm imagining that you have a video on the TARDIS that is uh, the 13th Doctor and she walks up and she puts a chair down and she sits on it backwards and she goes, so you've lost a planet, have you? And then uh, <laughs> she like goes through, have you tried these checklists? And then she like goes through all the different things and she's like, and she's, that's great. Uh, okay, great. I think that you then are kind of, I want to have you roll for me a um, new character. My... You died. Goodbye. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you, uh, it turns out you are garbage. Uh, and so Ben is the doctor now. Uh, yes! <laughs> Hello, I'm the doctor. Well, I had a great run. Let's uh, let's record my exit interview. This was a lot of fun, everyone. Um, yeah. What was it like playing the doctor? Very <laughs> short, actually. You're the Eccleston I, I, and the Colin Baker of our show. I, was, I, I, right. I, I had more episodes than uh, uh, McGann. Wow. I mean, that's not true. McGann's done quite a few audio dramas. All right. I'm going to have you roll for me an awareness and intuition check. Okay. Oh, uh, that's an 18 with no magic numbers okay. on the dice. Great. All right. You you roll 18 with an 18. You kind of, like you said, you have a system that you've kind of followed. Like you've you've had issues with Gallifrey in the past. You've It's been taken away by Time Wars. It's been nuked by the Master. It's been uh, attacked by Santarans. You've had to flee into your TARDIS. There's lots of times when, when Gallifrey has been under threat. You've, you've waited through a confession dial to get to the end of the universe in order to find it before. So you, like you said, you have a history with this. And so you almost, by muscle memory absent-mindedly reach down and start just tapping on keys on the keypad you're not really even paying attention to what you're doing you are you're kind of in a bit of like a i don't want to say a trance but you're in kind of like a like you said you're kind of just staring in the middle distance and not really processing what you're doing and then suddenly you are snapped out of this i don't i can't snap my fingers but imagine that i did you are snapped out of this feeling by the sound of your time rotor going off. And you realize that while you're pushing buttons, you kind of just put in coordinates and, and press send, essentially. Like, you you basically, like, speed dialed, or you just kind of, like, randomly found yourself going somewhere. Yeah, I think maybe, like, the TARDIS lurches a little bit when it happens, too, and, uh, you know, instinctively, kind of, I grab on the console to hold myself, and I immediately turn to the... My, my friends go, uh, uh, hold on, we're, we're, we're on our way. Like, this was totally planned, of course. Yeah, and as typical, nothing nothing particularly dangerous. It's not like the times where the TARDIS is shaking and thrusting. It's, it's just going to a location. And you find yourself materializing in, I know, shocker, late 1600s France countryside. And you are in, a, a, in the region of, of, of Avignon, and... 
It is a it's a fairly sunny, uh, nice day out. Feels like they probably filmed this somewhere in the Moors and are passing it as as France. It probably is. Uh, there's just probably a couple of like Welsh countryside. Maybe not the, maybe not the, the Moors. That's a pretty big day trip away from where the the Doctor Who studios are in Cardiff. So it's it's probably somewhere in the Welsh countryside. But it's passing very well. I would say it's probably around where they filmed Vincent and the Doctor. Oh, very nice. Which might not be in what no, might be I think they went overseas you know, for that one. They might have, yeah. If they, if they filmed overseas, that means we're going to have multiple episodes that are set in a similar looking location because they obviously did a, a production block back to back. So Right, it's Spain. We're in Spain. We're in Spain. But it's France. It's Spain. Spain is France. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we've, we've done that, that tangent long enough. All right. Uh, <laughs> And uh, we cut to uh, the doctor and his companions stepping out of the TARDIS to explore the countryside. What's the temperature like? What's the weather like? Uh, I would say it's probably like late spring. It's not okay. like super hot out. It's comfortable. It's nice. Okay. I would say it's it's uh, to use American temperatures. It's probably about like 70 to 73 degrees outside. Okay. Maybe I've... late high 60s. I was just about to say that those numbers so yeah i'm probably same wavelength light jacket weather maybe yeah i'm probably either just wearing the hoodie without the jacket or i'm wearing the jacket without the, one of the two whatever's more fun for fan artists to draw okay i am absolutely in the hoodie with the pocket hands in pocket like the hoodie strings like pull tight you know exactly what i'm talking about don't make me describe it you know okay I think uh, the doctor would probably see that we're in the late 1600s, so I will offer to the companions, uh, you know, we, we I do have a full wardrobe if you'd like to try anything on. Uh, I, I do love what you have on, but, I mean, it's just there. I mean, if you would like to go crazy, please help yourselves. Well, we have just learned that Dan's doctor is a cosplayer. Yeah. Uh, D- doctor, I'm, I'm sorry. I think you've already gone crazy, and I'm not 100% certain I haven't gone crazy either, so I'm going to stick with what I know, if that's okay. Absolutely. Whatever makes you comfortable. I'm going to grab a cloak. Carrie runs back inside, grabs a cloak, put it over the hoodie. This is not this is not period accurate at all, folks. I just want to <laughs> clarify this. She only grabbed a cape for added dramatic effect. Oh, um, the doctor does. The sixth doctor specifically does own a cape. I want to stress this. <laughs> ben and I had the, the blue one? same thought at the exact same time. It's the Necros cloak, the crazy blue one with the the yeah. the gold ribbon on it. Fan artists have fun with that. It looks fantastic. It's, oh, yeah, it's we'll best. say it's that one because yes. I don't know what that is, but yes. <laughs> Oh, it looks yeah. it looks wonderful on you, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, ah, yes. I hate it. I'm going home. Just kidding. I'm coming. And, and you'll be happy to know I put pockets on the inside too. Hold on. She runs back into the TARDIS and grabs like more granola bars and stuffs <laughs> it into those pockets. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't need to be, just to be stated now, I'll say that any of your gear that you would have with you, you have with you. Because even though everyone changed clothing, I'll say that you thought to bring your gear so we don't have to worry about later on. Like, I don't know if I would still have this. You have it. Whatever you got, you got it. So I have Lita's traditional uh, mind control ray gun that lets her control people's minds and do... Yeah, yeah. It still does not work. It's like a shake machine at McDonald's, Uh, but you've got it. Congratulations. (laughs) Good for you. The, The bat is absolutely being concealed by the cloak, so its cloak is not only functional it's fabulous it's got pockets it's a snack holder it's also a bat like hider we're best life 
best life. Yeah. I am going to say that the costume department for this episode put only a little bit more effort into making their own costumes period accurate as what you all just did. So everything is like basically whatever the BBC costume closet had on hand for 1600s era. And so like, I guess this kind of works. I don't know. Love it. It's all the CAD file stuff. It's fine. Yeah. They got it. They got it on hand. Yeah. I'm here for inaccuracy. It's a lot of stuff from productions of like Three Musketeers and things like that. But like. Bless it. But like from extras that were in those things because women don't have any speaking roles in those kind of things. All right. So you you find yourselves walking down a nice country path and coming toward you, not unlike if you've ever seen the film A Knight's Tale when Geoffrey Chaucer comes trotting naked down the road. Oh, yes. Uh, coming down the road towards you is is not not in her in her her birthday suit but the same brunette woman that we saw in the cold open she is wearing a kind of like a long period trench coat like the kind that you'd see to have like the kind of like filigree on it a little bit and the kind of like like I'm, like I'm, I'm trying to think of how to describe it like a like a frock coat essentially okay. uh, she's wearing that and she has a white like peasant blouse that she's kind of tucking into a long kind of like it's a pair it's a skirt there's there's a woman wearing pants in this kind of time period would be unheard of uh, at least I think so I have no idea but the production department thinks so it is like a long but it's like a very it's the kind of thing you would see I'm trying to think of how to describe this but it's just a skirt whatever it's a bustly it's a bustly cool very cool skirt and then at her side she actually has a rapier and she she looks like someone who is a little bit unusual for the time period she is a little bit more like well first of all you don't you don't typically see a lot of women running around uh, 600 france with like frock coats and swords so that's like a pretty big thing right there but as she's walking she is putting her boots on still like I like like she's like hopping on one foot while she puts on a boot the implication that you get from her is that she had to get dressed and flee in a hurry uh bonjour oh wait no I shouldn't speak because I shouldn't speak in French because it's going to translate as something else <laughs> I think that still happens I think I think I, there's plenty of time for the translator the doctor yeah. still says I think my my headcanon with, with the translator is that if you intentionally say the word in that language you get to still say it that way okay. I, I, that's also pretty much like almost the limit of my French so that'll be it for the day so <laughs> yeah Carrie absolutely takes over bonjour ça va Okay, Riley, the GM, does not speak French. So oh uh, can you please translate into English what you just said? <laughs> I said, hello, how are you? Ah, and then she says to you in what seems like clear, perfect English to you, I'm, I'm, well, I've been better. How are, how are you? Oh, nous sommes très bien. Uh, and then Carrie, you have traveled with the doctor enough now that you know that the TARDIS translates things into whatever language you're speaking. Yeah, so that's you don't, exactly what's happening. You, no one else you as Joe do not have is to nobody, speak. Is nobody else understanding my French? Every, no? Everybody is understanding it as if you're speaking perfect English. But we the, play, but we the players are not but fluent. I as, <laughs> yeah, I as a GM do not understand what you're saying, so I can't respond in character when you're uh, saying it in French, uh, but she understands you. I did a year you. in high school. You're, you're, you're at the limits of that so far. Yeah, so what, what have you said so far, Joe? So I, I said, uh, I replied back and said, we're, we're, we're very good. Great. Uh, from now on, let's just talk in English. But like, uh, and like, yeah, Carrie, if you speak, if you speak French, we can assume that you are consciously speaking in French. Uh, but, but Lita, you who are not from Earth and definitely don't speak French, you also understand everything that's being said so far. I, I look and say, je ne comprends pas le français, parle-vous anglais? Mm, je parle français un petit peu. Je ne parle uh, 
And then an earthquake opens up and kills both Carrie and Lita. And, uh, <laughs> okay. Carrie extends a hand to, like, gesture towards the boot because she's, you know, doing that one, like, hoppy thing. It's never pleasant. Yeah. Oh, God. Yes. Thank you. And she puts her foot out so you can, like, help her put the boot on. I assume that's what you were offering to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely getting slight lady sweats because I'm sure this lady is beautiful in her boots. Oh, she's very gorgeous. In fact, if you had to picture a human being who's playing this character, in my mind, it's Ella Hunt. So. Oh, okay. All right. I was I was going to like, like Gwendolyn Christie. Uh, no, that's she's she's not she's a little younger than that. So that yeah, Ella Hunt's a pretty good age range for her. Let's do yeah, it. Ella Hunt's era, like somewhere in between Anna and the Apocalypse and uh, and when she's on Dickinson. So uh, great. She's like, oh, thank you so much. Uh, it's very hard to walk or run, I should say, with one boot. Oh, tell me about it. I've run barefoot. I've, I've, I'm kind of a bit of an expert of running, but um, what is it that you're running from, if I may be so bold? Or two. Could be two. Could be running to something. Um, no, definitely running from. I got myself into a, a little bit of trouble um, back there. I, I have to go back, but yeah, uh, that convent's not a, not a big fan of certain things, and I, I broke those rules, which... Is fair, but that's kind of why I was there to begin with, so it kind of works out. Strict uh, strict rules about footwear, do they have? Strict rules about whose rooms your footwear is, is in when not on you. Oh, so it's like you've got to take your shoes off when you walk in, and then you don't want to get, like, track mud in, in the convent kind of deal? No, no, Lita, 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 mm-hmm. we'll just, we'll talk about it later. It's it's fine. Here, have a granola it's, bar. It's, it's, have a, a, granola it's a huge bar. problem. The, the, the church doesn't even begin to address it until the 28th century. They're so... Ugh. Don't get me started. I'm sorry, what? Oh, uh, th- nothing. Just a, a bit of humor. Uh, that, that is a beautiful convent, I must say, though. Um, what, what, is, what is the name of, of, of it? It's the convent? God damn it, oh, Dan. Okay. Uh, I don't oh, have a name oh, for no. it. No, um... Oh, no. Oh, it's the convent of the, of the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Ah, yes. Oh, oh, a delightful order. Uh, but I, it, it is unfortunate that you did have to leave. Um, uh, well, we're there to begin with. I mean, I, I kind of went under false pretenses, so it's okay. Where is it that you are heading now? Well, I'm mostly going to find my way to town to get just blitzed out of my mind on some drink. And then I'm going to come back there and I'm going to get my, my, uh, my, my friend out of there. Lita raises her hand and says, "Can we do that? Can we do that thing? Can we go do the thing where there are drinks? Is that a th- is that a thing? Is that viable? How does everyone feel about about drinks? What are they? What do they got? Wait, what's the what's the local tipple? Do you have like a local cider or like a IPA? What's the deal? Uh, mostly a lot of wine. We do a lot of wine. Oh, okay, I can yeah. I can drive with a good wine. This is wine country. Are we in wine country? Okay. Yeah, it's in France. Yeah." They- <laughs> The name of the country is not wine. That's on another planet. This is this is France. Sounds like you guys have already had a lot of wine. Uh, you and your your that's an interesting hair color. Um, it's it's just the color that my hair is. Um, why wow. don't why don't we walk and talk towards the wine? Yes, if if you if you're having trouble, um, I would. I, I can't speak for my friends here, um, but I I am the doctor. This is Lita, and this is Carrie. But um, we we would be happy to uh, escort you to the bistro or the cafe if that would be all right with you. And perhaps we can lend a hand with your current problem. Sure. Uh, the 
Bistro. Sure. She takes you into a, a small town nearby and not, nothing really particularly adventurous happens there. There's just like, she doesn't take you to a bistro or a cafe. She takes you to a bar, like a tavern. And she, uh, over the course of an evening, threatens multiple men into having duels with her. And those kind of things are happening. Uh, and we kind of have a montage sequence of the doctor and the companions and this woman having a pretty nice, like, ribald evening. And not unlike the show would do when like trying to like show off a period of time and then yeah the night has kind of wound down and the the bar is the tavern is is emptying out and we find uh you and her and your companion sitting around a table uh, i definitely would have asked her name at some point so uh, i don't know okay. if it's you yeah, hadn't probably. done it yet, so I wasn't sure. I know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was probably going to be on the walk to the bar, but yeah, no, okay. I, I would, yeah. Okay. Her name is Julie. Okay. Julie. Julie Jobney. Lita's definitely had wine at this point. Carrie and Julie are comparing swords, and by swords, I mean her rapier and Carrie's bat. Uh, Doctor and Carrie, because you're both from Earth. Well, you're, one of you from Earth, one of you knows Earth history. Uh, I'm going to have you make awareness and knowledge checks. I uh, I got a 13 with a one. Okay. Ooh, ooh, I rolled a six. Oh, nice. What was your total? Oh, that's poopy. <laughs> Hold on. Poopy because it's a low score or poopy because now you have to do math? Mm. Uh, both. 12. Okay, but you have a 12 and a six. Okay. Doctor, you don't really know enough about her because I think the knowledge of her is probably like not most of in real life. Most of the history about her is kind of apocryphal. So you don't know. But Carrie, you've definitely read a a rejected princesses or something type article about a famous bisexual French duelist named. Oh, my gosh. I know this person. Yes. Yeah. Named Julie Diagne. And she is. Yes. And so uh, and, you know, a story about her involving her taking the holy orders for a convent so that she could be with her girlfriend. And that is uh, that is what you remember of this person now. And that she she's younger here, but you know that she later goes on to become a famous opera singer in and that that part of her story is is true. The other part people don't know if it's like real or like legend about her, but you've definitely read that and you know who this is. Wait, wait, are you are you the Julie? Like our bisexual icon Julie. I don't Are know what her? those words mean, but I am Julie. You might know she has a nickname of La Mopin, and I don't know if she has if she's known by this at this point in her life or not, but yeah. I do have that do effect you know on who quite this a few. Is? Oh my god! This is La Mopin. She was super famous and she did the fighting thing and then she had a girlfriend and she had a beautiful voice and she was saying yeah, it was fun. And then doing it. Okay. I Carrie, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna I'm cutting you off. I'm taking your wine, and I take the glass of wine over, and I for Carrie's glass, and I immediately down what's left of the glass of Carrie's wine. This, yeah, at this point, Carrie is like by Julie's feet, just like crying onto her boots, holding them, just tears rolling down her face, just mumbling to herself like. <laughs> Okay, I can you stab people for fun. <laughs> I, I do have this effect on women sometimes, but this is a little bit above. Does she normally do this? <laughs> I, I have no. absolutely no way of knowing. Uh, well, no, I, I just mean, it can continue. This is actually kind of enjoyable. But... Ah! I've never been so happy in my entire life. This is better than the giraffe. <laughs> the. Oh, what? 
Wait, oh, the- neither of you were here for that. Oh, well, so I had a really, really trippy dream. You know, I've had one too many brownies the other day. And then we all went together to this Toontown place. And I kept trying to draw a giraffe because, you know, you got to climb tall things. Somebody has to interrupt Carrie because she's just going to keep going, you guys. <laughs> I will soliloquy the crap out of this. It It was just a different doctor, but he remembers that he was there for it. But Carrie doesn't know that. (laughs) Carrie doesn't know how it works. Lita Lita raises her hand again, and I think raising her hand is going to kind of be the motif for for this particular episode, at the very least. And uh, she says, okay, so again, my grip on reality, I would describe presently is tenuous, and hearing about the giraffe has definitely... If, if not, made me question my sanity has certainly appeared to have filled my bladder. So I am going to see if this place has a kind of a toilet-shaped situation going oh, you on. Are, you are in for a bit of a rude awakening, but uh, <laughs> it's probably yeah, I'm that not sure, way. I'm not sure the even outhouses were a thing at this point yet. In the, probably some, there's, Lita, probably a, there's probably a preview Lita, of some sort, right? Lita, you have to go outside and dig a hole. I'm... I'm, I'm I'm, I'm, here's the thing. I'm definitely not good. Can I, doctor, can I get a key or something so I can go back to Lita, the... Lita, no. This is 1600s France. They don't have keys like that. You well, gotta the, go outside. The, the, and you gotta take your little hands if the, and dig a hole. Okay, so there are many, many, many reasons why I'm definitely not doing that. Doctor, try this key, please, so I can go back and use the Wiz Palace. And uh, I think when you say that, the doctor kind of like almost like foolishly it's like how have i not given you one up until now and i reach into my coat pocket and i i pull out like the shiniest brand new key and i hold it in front of you and i say do not lose this i cannot okay, great. Put, I'll just i just grab no, the key i cannot put do not duplicate on this but do not duplicate and i give you your own tardis key i have a, this is not a big moment for Lita. she just needs to use the bathroom she's just taking the key and she's like i'll be back in like 20 minutes <laughs> And she she exits and and she's gone. She's out the door. I, I'll, I, yeah, I'll, I'll give a, I'll give a Carrie a, a handkerchief that I have. Um, we, we don't have to do um, uh, uh, the the pockets roll anymore, do we? <laughs> for toilet paper? No, no, no uh, for, for pulling uh, out a handkerchief from my pocket. Oh, I think you have that. That's fine. Okay, yeah, yeah, and I give it to Carrie, and I and I. Uh, I, I, I can assume that a, hand- a handkerchief is part of your like father's sure, yeah, doctor costume. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I, and I say to Julie, I'm like, I, I'm I'm so sorry. She, she's just a big fan of yours, and truth be told, I am too. Uh, but uh, this is a big moment for Carrie. So, um, if there's anything we can do, uh, I mean, uh, you do say that you are planning a, well, an assault on an abbey. Uh, is there perhaps a different way we could approach it where maybe no one gets stabbed or run through I mean, at the word of assault carrie like stops crying immediately pops up and like gets a glint in her eye <laughs> like she has like a little bit of an eye twitch like there's snot coming out of the nose total red eye but like little left eye twitch and the doctor's <sighs> like oh no i shouldn't have said that i know i i, I know better than to say that around <laughs> well here's the thing is uh, i have a french looks around at people a friend of mine named Adele, and her father did not approve of our friendship, and so he sent her away to live in this convent with these nuns, and I, being who I am, uh, decided the best way to solve that problem was to come to the convent myself and take the orders and spend time with her. And that was great until we got caught, and they they weren't fond of that. I'm very... 
truly very sorry to hear that. No, no one should be denied love. You are such an icon. Friendship, yes, but because um, she's like not super comfortable openly talking about it. Because like, oh, forgive it, me, forgive me. No one should be denied friendship. Sure, friendship, companionship is very important, and. I don't know. I've, I, I have a weird feeling about this convent, so I, I don't think that she's safe there. And so I'm going to go back and I'm going to get her and I'm going to get her away from there. And then she takes her goblet of wine that she's been drinking and she like chugs it and then like slams it on the table. And then she like gets up as if like she's saying like, I'm going to go get her. And that's what she starts to head that way. And, and I, I, the doctor stands up and says, uh, 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 Julie, if I may be so forward as to call you Julie. Um, Sure, that's perhaps, my name, so it's usually pretty okay to call me that. Of course. Um, perhaps after so many glasses of wine, this is maybe not the the best option. I'll tell you what, why don't you stay here and my friends and I will maybe see if we can do something to take care of this for you. Uh, that way you're not implicated, you don't have to return to this place with a sword. We will tell Adele that we have been sent on your behalf, but basically... I am a sucker for these sorts of things, and I would love to help you. Oh, um, doctor, doctor, you don't know how war starts. You pre-war by drinking wine, so we are primed and ready to go. Carrie, like, slams her fists on the table aggressively. <laughs> she kind of, like, looks at you, and she, like, curiously eyeballs you. She seems to really like Carrie. She's, like, really into what the energy Carrie's bringing. And she kind of puts her hand on her sword, and you get the feeling looking at it, it's a very ornate sword. Like, it very much looks like some sort of, like, family heirloom. Um, it looks like she has definitely spent a lot of time learning how to use it. Uh, it has, like, a really gorgeous, like, crystal bobble at the end of it, at the end of, like, the hilt. And she goes, uh, you said your name was, was Doctor. Uh, doctor, I don't, I don't typically let other people fight my battles for me. In fact, I'm pretty famous for fighting my own battles. And uh, when men challenge my honor, I tend to fight them back. So uh, I appreciate your offer, but this is my battle and I don't sit back and let other people do it for me. And then she gets up and like she, I think she was already standing up at this point. So she's heading out the door. Just because you fight your own battles doesn't mean you have to fight them alone. And I think, I think the doctor's just going to follow her. Like, you know, obviously like, sort of giving the look to Carrie and on the lookout for Lita because I don't want Lita to come back to the tavern and be like, where did everyone go? We cut back to the TARDIS and we find Lita who is stepping out of the TARDIS having finished her business. And are you a little bit drunk at all, Lita? Do you think you've had a couple of arms pulled back at this point? I think that she has a, a slightly higher tolerance for alcohol. I think she was probably quite drunk when she left the the tavern but um leaving the tardis she's she's not completely sober but she's definitely the walk has sobered her up okay let's go ahead and have you make for me a awareness and hmm i'm gonna say survival check okay oh my survival is not very good at all i'm sorry yeah. with a base of four eight thirteen total no magic numbers okay i'm gonna say you're having a little bit of trouble remembering which direction the town was in because okay. it's it's later you've had a few drinks it's dark outside there is no sort of like unnatural lighting there's no street lamps or anything you yeah. are in a dark french countryside at this point point. and as you are walking uh go ahead and make another awareness and presence check for me uh, awareness is three presence is two i rolled 
11 with a 1 on the dice. Okay. You seem fine. You don't notice anything. (laughs) And then suddenly, standing in front of you is a nun. Hello. Um, Are you lost, child? No. I mean, that's definitely up for debate. Um, I just want, if I could just get around you, actually, I'm just, I'm just trying to head back down to the, the tavern, the bar, the alcoholium, uh, the <laughs> place where, place where the, 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 the wine is. Do you know the name of the, the wine? What an unusual I'm, color of hair that you have. Yeah. I, I don't I, see a lot of people around here with hair color like this. I get the impression it doesn't grow in this way for your species. Um, it's fine. It's just hair. She steps toward you with her hand out, and she says, please, I, I have somewhere safe that I could take you, and you could rest, and then your friends could find you there. No, I. you know what? I think I actually, I already, funny story, I actually just came As from somewhere safe. As you raise your safe. hand up, I'm sorry, yeah. the, let's just can't yeah. hear, but you, Ben, raised their hand up and pointed behind them. Yeah. As you do that, you feel a hand on your hand and it's another nun who is to your side. Oh. Uh, and uh, I think that my instinct is to kind of immediately try to like stop talking, pull back, like pull, try to pull away. Okay. We are now going to be in a conflict scene then. Okay. And we are going to uh, have you make an uh, coordination and conflict role. How are you? Okay. Are you trying to like pull away from this person? Yeah, I think I'm literally just trying to pull my pull my arm free from from her grip. Okay. Coordination and conflict. Mm-hmm. Okay, it gives me a base of four. Oh, very nice. Okay, so four plus uh, so sixteen with two sixes. Nice. Okay, you are able to to get away from this grip. So that's that's going to be your move, and then their move is going to be. Uh, so you, I'll say that your your yes and on that is you are able to get a good like you're able to get away like okay. you're not like next to them anymore, and they're not like flanking you, and you're able to run. Um, okay. And so you are now running. So I think their their action now is going to be. I think I think their action that round was the grab. Okay both kind of conflict actions. So now we're going to go to a second round of conflict here. I'm going to have you roll a... Let's see, I'm trying to think of like what's a good running roll. So I think coordination and athletics is going to be your running run. Okay. Your running roll. Uh, it gives me a starting point of four. Hell yeah, two sixes again. So oh I, my just, gosh. I just rolled 16. <sighs> wow, your your rolls are, are doing a thing. All right. Uh, <laughs> L- Lita yeah, has you're... just all this terrible previous experience with nuns, and it's just like a matrix <laughs> download of how to get away. Yeah. I know run foo. You are you are able to get a good distance, and you've actually managed to put a pretty decent gap in between you and these two nuns, and they they are they are giving chase, and they are running faster than you think a a person would be able to run. The problem is, as you're running, I want you to make another awareness and survival check for me. Okay, yeah, let me do that. So my awareness is to, awareness three, survival is one, so it's a base of four. Uh, um. So that's 13, uh, so I've got a six and a three. Okay. Uh, you are you are able to, it's getting dark, 
because you're mm-hmm. you're running even further into a countryside. So you're running further away from the TARDIS. You're not running you, like you start to see a little bit of light in the distance that is like breaking out of of this countryside, but it's pretty dark. And then uh, I'm going to have them roll with. I need. I don't have dice. What? That's not a very good move for a GM of a game like this. I don't have any dice. Let me open up the dice rolling app. I mean, I'm doing some pretty good rolls. Do you want me to roll for you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't think you want me to roll for. I don't think you want to roll for me since I'm rolling against you right now, and you're rolling really good. Um, two sixes to kill Lita. Two sixes. <laughs> Wait, Lita begins um, to regenerate. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Michael, do you have dice with you? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and make for me a. Uh, go ahead and make a. But just just roll two dice for me outside because you're making you're going to make a a coordination and athletics roll and I want you to what what is the advantage system in this in this version of Doctor Who I can't remember now oh, I don't have uh, that in front of me three dice pick the two highest okay so Michael roll three dice and pick the two highest on this one okay uh, yeah. Lita is not fond of that Lita hears God <laughs> talking about dice and uh, <laughs> disapproves wholeheartedly <laughs> oh that's one of Lita's powers when she's sufficiently inebriated she can hear the voice of God. Thirteen. It's very 13. on brand for France. Okay, that includes the coordination and athletics. All right, so yeah, you you are able to get closer to Lita. You're able to give good chase, but you are not uh, able to catch her. So Lita, as you run, uh, this is going to be one of those like Doctor Who companion moments. So I, yeah. I think you were able to get away. You're able to fight off, and then as you're running, suddenly go ahead and make one last um, presence and awareness roll for me. Okay, so that's a base of. Five. Sorry, awareness and let's say intuition because okay. yeah, that makes no sense to Guess me. Like what? I keep having you roll two attributes, but still a base of five. Someone you can roll two attributes. I, okay. I had you guys do that all the time. That's true. That's true. Uh, okay, so that's two, four, so that's eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve total. No magic numbers. Okay, you are aware uh, and you're intuiting basically running that like more of these nuns have given chase, and so eventually, like when you're running into the darkness you are now surrounded by a circle of these nuns. I want to ask, um, is obviously they're moving faster. Am I hearing them as if they are kind of, this is going to sound a bit of a rough question, but am I hearing like bipedal humanoid running or am I hearing like animalistic running? What am I hearing? Combination of both. Okay. You are hearing, you are hearing humanoid running and you, you occasionally hear almost like the sound of bat wings. Okay. I'm going to take a big risk and I'm going to yell for the Doctor and Carrie. Okay. In the uh, hopes that the sound make, carries down the valley, yeah. yeah. Make a presence and... Oh, that's a good one. Presence and... I feel like survival? Yeah, I wasn't thinking presence and resolve. I think we're trying to see how Ooh. loud you can yell. So, like, okay. how, how how loud your presence and your resolu- your res- resolution to yell. Okay, so how much your resolve is. Seven? <laughs> seven, eleven... 17 with a 6 on one of the dice. Great, yes. Uh, I will say that you you yell really loudly and I will will acknowledge that there is a a benefit that is that you are able to yell out enough for the doctor to hear you. Okay. Uh, And it's the last thing you do before a bag is thrown over your head. Yay! Yeah. The doctor, uh, you are now following Julie who is, she has her little bit of drunken courage and she is trying to head back to this convent and uh, some time, a few minutes have, have passed as you're walking with her and you hear shouting 
from deep in the distance, you hear your companion, Lita, yelling, Doctor. And it's very clear. And you, and because of her role being so high, you can tell that she's yelling it like she is imminently in danger. Yeah, I think immediately the Doctor like looks in that direction because it's very easy to hear direction for sound and just starts running. And uh, immediately I want to like pop on the Sonic and basically use it as like a a flashlight, but almost like a spherical flashlight. So it's like all around me kind of thing. So it's not just straight ahead. It's an omnidirectional flashlight. Okay. How many feet? I'll have you roll if you want to determine how many feet it is. But if you want it to be a pretty standard flashlight, like a torch, essentially, then I'm not going to make you roll for it. Um, I would say since it's sort of like an omnidirectional sort of thing, it probably isn't like I probably can't see like hundreds and hundreds of feet around me. Essentially be effectively like a lantern. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I'm not gonna make your roll for that. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, and I and, and as soon as the light uh, comes on, I'm like, Carrie, Julie, hurry! We that was Lita's voice, and I'm just full speed ahead, running towards the direction of the sound. Hello, Z, Julie. We have a damsel in distress. <laughs> Why are you talking like that? Oh, I was just trying to get us hype. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Let's go stab some nuns. All right. Yeah. And then they go running with you, Doctor, and you, Julie, and Carrie uh, find yourself in a clearing. Now, back to you, Ben, real quickly. Um, Because of your six on that roll, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say you also had the ability while they were like, once you were going to be overpowered and you knew you were going to be taken, you, I think, had the presence of mind in order to drop a clue or drop something to like make sure that people knew this is where you were taken. Like, what what, what would Lita have done uh, in that moment? So, I mean, you can, th- you can redefine yeah. that based on what I said, but you can yeah. change it to be what Lita would oh, do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that um, if they're putting a bag over her head and they're probably, like, restraining her as well, I think she's probably dug in her heel with her boot and drawn the letter L in the in the dirt with her, with her shoe. May I, may I make a pitch for that? Sure. Absolutely not. No, go ahead. Okay. Maybe Lita drops the TARDIS key instead. That, I feel like... You know what? I think Lita wouldn't realize how how big of a risk that would be. Uh, Michael, you had a thought. I was just gonna pitch if 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 Lita wouldn't have dropped the TARDIS key, maybe she drops like a little plastic package of tissues that she had brought from the TARDIS. Oh, yeah, that's even better. To- the toilet roll, because I was absolutely gonna leave the TARDIS with a roll of toilet paper from the bathroom. <laughs> so yeah, there's like there's like a roll of like two ply toilet oh, paper, that's... like of the nice stuff, not the prison grade stuff that dissolves in your hands when you look at it. Um, but there's okay. like a there's a letter, there's an L in the dirt and a and a nice roll of toilet paper that actually, come to think of it, I think what happens, okay. I think so I do inject a little comedy into this 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 moment of seriousness. But I think what happened is as you're approaching the hill, the end of the toilet roll like rolls down towards you because it's landed on its side and just rolled down, leaving a trail to the L. Okay, I personally hate that because of who I am, but I think it's genius. And I think with your sixes, and the the ridiculous rolls that you just did, I think that I'm going to allow that to happen. Thank you so very much. I'm going to go one step further because of your sixes. Uh, I'm going to say that you dropped that roll when you were being captured. And so as they were carrying you towards the convent, the roll was unspooling behind you and they didn't oh, notice did it. That. And so yeah. it essentially is a, a, a arrow drawn into the ground that tells the doctor and his companions where you were being taken to, what direction you were being carried off in. Perfect. And guess what? It leads to the convent. Who would have thought? What? Uh, Julie, I'm assuming that this leads back to where you were planning on doing your stabbing. 
Um, and she like kind of like looks and she kind of like goes, can I, can I borrow your lantern thing? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hold on one second. And I want to adjust the brightness so it gets way brighter so she can see a little clearer. Okay. Well then I'm going to have you roll for that. Um, okay. that is not a typical thing that this does. Uh, I'm going to have you roll a presence and technology. Okay. Totally based off of this roll. <laughs> How much light it gives off. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I got we'll a, see if we can see Carrie doing something. <laughs> I got a 16, but I did get a one. Okay. Um, I think that you 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 make it really bright, and then it actually flickers out because it's, it's like, too much energy for it to do at one given time, and it needs, like, to recharge a little bit. <sighs> it's always, always something right out of the box with these new ones. They never work as well as they're supposed to. <laughs> We're down with the day one firmware updates, and you just you keep saying later, later, later. And it's... <laughs> uh, so it gets dark, and she goes, "Well, that's I, I, I don't know, but I think I know where we're going." And then she keeps she keep walking straight towards. She's like following the path. She's made this path herself a couple times, so she knows where she's going. Okay, yeah, I think I'll follow her because she knows where she's going. All right. Um, now she looks to you and Carrie, and she says, "Okay, the one problem is that." I'm kind of persona non grata there, and they won't let you in. And she points to the doctor. With just like a big smile and just turns to Carrie and says, oh, I hate to do this, but I'm going to need your bat, Carrie. (gasps) And like in true anime form, when like Carrie unsheathes the, the bat from the cloak, there's like twinkle lights and sounds and Carrie's got big anime eyes because you know it, it's like sensei drunk, yeah. has chosen my violence and I, with with much respect I, I very you know I, I take the bat with both hands I say it will be safe but Carrie I think we're gonna need you to go undercover okay just take care of my baby my sweet baby it's of course okay. you'll be we'll be together again soon it's all right just <laughs> and, and and I think actually the doctor reaches into his pocket to pull out the psychic paper, but then remembers that he doesn't have it anymore and is like, oh, this is going to be a little more challenging than it usually is. Uh, all right, then. Well, it's a good thing you speak French. <laughs> Why? Where am I going? Oh, uh, we're going to send you into the convent and... Uh... <gasps> oh, me with the nuns. Carrie yeah. visibly Whoa. ages fifty years. <laughs> and yeah, I think I think I think the plan is gonna be we're gonna send Carrie in as some sort of wandering traveler in, in search of age. She has a traveling cloak. It's perfect. <laughs> That's fair. Doc- yeah, that cloak comes into play. <laughs> but Doc, they're, they're so against chaos. All nuns do is orderly and and silent and precise, and I am none of those things. I, I know, and I don't want you to have to pretend to be someone you're not, but we we are trying to aid our, our new friend Julie here and her friend, Adele. Surely you understand that, Carrie. Carrie kneels at Julie's feet and, like, grabs her little boots and is like, for you, my queen, I will do anything. <laughs> I don't understand this, but okay, yeah, I mean, if you're helping, you're helping. That's great. I think that, that would be good. We're going to cut back to Lita. Lita, you are now at the convent and the nuns have placed you in a room to hold you for now. 
and they have locked the door behind them. And you have a roommate in this room, and the audience would recognize her as the blonde woman from the cold open. She is in the room with you, and it appears that she has also been detained by them, and she has been held here for a while. So she seems a little bit surprised to see you uh, joining her. And Michael will be playing this character. Okay. Um, one question. Do I still have my multi-tool? Yes, I think that you do, because I don't think they would have thought to search you for that. Okay. I think my first instinct when I'm in the room is to grab my multi-tool and see if I can just, like, unbolt or unscrew the door from its hinges. But I think that as soon as I realize there's someone else in the room who's looking, uh, I guess, a little worse for wear, my I the door becomes secondary to me, and I, I look to her and I say, Hey, hey, uh, uh, are, are you okay? Oui, bon oui. Sorry, Riley, I had to do it. Um, no, you're fair. <laughs> Uh, good, yes. Ye- well, it was good night at the end there, but sure. Um, or good evening. Right. Anyway. Um, uh, hi, yes, good uh, night. And the conversation. Okay, cool. So I don't like have to engage with you, and I can get back to... Uns- no, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, uh, hello. You, they've kept... Have they, have they gotten you as well? Ca- captured you as well? I mean, the they is a, a variable or very much like... The, what is they? Are they nuns? Are they... I heard, like, bat wings? Are they bat nuns? What are, what are we looking at I don't know. There's some dreadful animal aspect to the the the, the sisters. They they have some terrible sigh. I I, I don't know. Okay. Um, well, we could put a pin in that for now and try to get out. I can try to undo the hinges on this door. Then there won't be a door, and then we could just skedaddle Rooney. Do you wanna? Do you wanna get out? Or, I mean, or is this your room? You like chill here? Is this somewhere that you want to be? Like I don't want to, you know, make presumptions. Oh no, this is a. Um, there's actually a sign that says dungeon. You have to read the room. It's a. It's a dungeon. Oh, it's a dungeon. Yes. If there's, a, I was hoping to get out of here. If I'm, I'm more than happy to help you. These, the, there's something dreadful going on in this convent. We have to get the word out. Okay, I would like just as a matter of course because leaders trust. Is, has been broken mm-hmm. in the due to her time at the IS. Um, I would like to just do a quick like read of of this this person to make sure that I can like feel like I can trust her. Yeah, give me a. I'm gonna say awareness and intuition. This is like how aware you are and how how much you think you can read this person. And Michael, I'm gonna have you make a, a presence and convince role. So I have a base of five. I rolled a four and a three. So that is 12 total. No magic numbers. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to do a modifier to that based on how convincing Michael's character sounds like how how she seems. Uh, 15, nothing fancy. Okay. So with a 15 for 12, I think that, yeah, I think that, I think that she seems convincing enough and you don't feel like you have any reason to doubt her and I think the fact that you're both been thrown into the cell together probably makes you feel like more like she's probably on your side like you don't you don't imagine a scenario where this is some really elaborate interrogation technique because you don't have anything to be interrogated about that you're trying to withhold I think Lisa's just a meat like just inherently distrustful and I think that right now I think her read on the situation she probably thinks this person's on the level so uh, I think Lita pulls out her multi-tool and turns to start working on the door and while she's working on the door she says I- I'm Lisa by the way what was uh, what was your name uh, Adele it's it's good to, uh, good to meet you good to meet good to have another friendly face it's uh it's always fine to, nice to 
find someone like you. Uh, what the, what did they throw you in into the dungeon for? Oh, I, Julie and I, uh, they, um, th- there was there was a, a a problem with one of the the sisters, and then uh, another of the. There's, there's been a lot of intrigue in in the convent. It's it's been very strange, and also there are there's something in the in the tunnels. There's something. There's more to this place than than there is on the surface. Okay. Well, good. The good news is that I have a little experience in that area, and I have a friend who seems to have a lot of experience in that area. So I'm just I'm going to bust us out. We're going to find my friends, and uh, we'll we'll. We'll, we'll do what we can, okay? And I'm, uh, I guess I have to do a roll to see whether I'm able to tool the door open, right? Yeah. Um, right. Although I think that's actually... Actually, I can spend my story point because yeah. it has open seal. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and spend the story point for my multi-tool to just uh, take the door off. Just boop. Yeah. Boop. Yeah. yeah, you're able to do that. I, uh, do a... Between, why don't you both do a presence and... Uh, actually do a strength athletics roll, both of you, to see if you're able to physically hold this heavy old comment door up because it's point. pretty thick and heavy uh, I, I have a base of two i have two strength and zero athletics but i did roll a four and a six so that's 12 total okay and uh adele what did you get i rolled a nine with a one okay i'm going to say that you were able to get it off its hinges that's fine i think that because of your six lita it doesn't hurt you, but because of Adele's one, instead it falls the other direction. And so then it makes a loud crashing noise as it comes down <laughs> to the ground. And so now you have maybe loudly announced that you are fleeing your room from uh, who's there. I grab uh, I grab her hand and I look at her and I just say, run. And you do. And you run. And you realize once you start running that you are definitely in what what uh, this girl described as the tunnels. You are not in the convent itself. You're not in like a building. And as you run, you head down into this dark hallway. It is pitch black. And around you, you start to hear sounds. There are creatures in the walls. There are creatures around you and they are making little noises. It is as if you have wandered into a cave full of bats, and they are making a squeaking noise. I stop, and I say, I think we should have made a left turn at Albuquerque. (laughs) And I start taking slow steps back so we can go in a different direction. As you take your steps back, it's just dark, and the sounds are there, and you are surrounded and these squeaking noises feel like they are honing in on you. Cut that noise because I don't know what that was. 
No, I'm turning the volume up on that noise. That's my ringtone. That noise is just going to be the episode. It's just going to be that noise. It's going to be the shortest episode we've ever put out.